Welcome to Retire Coast, where we discuss all things retirement, life on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and your financial welfare. Bill Anderson, your host, is a serial entrepreneur, having created many successful businesses and holds a real estate broker's license, speaks about personal experiences with each topic. Listen, learn, and improve the quality of your life. Welcome back to RetireCoast.com. We're going to talk today about how to protect yourself and your family members by doing some pre-planning about your life. And we're going to start with something called a trust. We're going to get into a will. Uh, we'll talk about advanced health care directives. We'll go through a package that lawyers call estate planning. And if you do all of these things, you pretty much have all of the items and things that you own wrapped up and decisions made on who does what, when, and how. Now, this isn't just for you when you pass away, for example, and everything goes to your wife uh, or husband or uh, children. What happens if the two uh, principals uh, are in an auto accident, for example, and then, then the uh, assets would pass to someone else. But it's not just about assets either. It's also with some of these documents about who would take care of someone that was in the hospital. According to doctors, would be in a vegetative state. And if you have said, that's not what I want to happen to me, then, of course, those instructions are already written down and the individual that's responsible will take all the necessary steps to make sure that your wishes are fulfilled. All of that is part of this package. I think everybody knows what a will is. That's pretty simple, but I'm going to take it step by step. So let's talk about a trust, and I'm going to kind of abbreviate this, take it out of the legalese discussion, and basically tell you what this is in plain terms and explain what it does in plain terms. So let's say that this is a couple. Uh, this is husband and wife, which is more typical for a trust, but not uncommon for families to create a trust, have a number of people involved in it. But for the husband and wife, for example, uh, they're known as the trustors. Well, that's a legal term. I have to throw some things out there. And, uh, but they're also uh, co-trustees, uh, which basically means that if you create this revocable living trust, which is the most common type, but there are several kinds, uh, this type of trust can be revoked at some point by either one of you because you're co-put uh, together in this uh, trust. So a trust is considered by law to be a separate entity. So there is the husband, the wife, and the trust. The trust is just like a person according to law, which means that the trust can own things. Now, obviously, the trust is not a person, so someone has to be responsible for the trust, someone or someones, and that is spelled out in the uh, declarations section of the trust. And what the trust does is it more or less gathers everything that you own, all of your worldly goods, your money, your property, everything, and you put it all into the trust. You can put your checking account into the trust. You can put your car into the trust if you choose to. All of those things into the trust. Now, what 
will help you is that if something happens to you as a person, let's say that you are killed and uh, everything you own is in this trust, rather than going to a probate court, which is required under most state laws when someone passes away um, without a trust or even a will, you have to go to a probate court And the probate court will make a decision who gets your children, who gets your house, who gets all of your worldly goods. Uh, may be more than one person, but nevertheless, that is a third party, a judge, and the probate attorneys that get involved making decisions for you. Not only is that probably not what you want, but it's also very expensive. And your estate has to pay the cost of attorneys, an attorney to represent the estate, also the attorney that works on the side of the court or the government, for example. There are court costs involved, and it's not uncommon for some people who have died without a will or and or a trust to have a large portion of their money squandered in attorney's fees over time. So if you don't want that, One good thing you can do is create this revocable trust and put all of your possessions into the trust and also directions on what you want done with anything that you have, uh, which would be your children, for example, anyone that you're responsible for. uh, You can put it all into the trust. That way it's already done. So if you pass away, then the instructions are already there. You do not, or your, your properties, nothing will go to probate court because you don't own it. It is in the uh, possession of the trust. That was a good reason to create a trust to start with. I'll give you an example. If you pass away for, and uh, there are monies in your accounts, etc., and your uh, things may not always be joint accounts, uh, in some cases they are, but in some cases they aren't, uh, but doesn't make any difference because if it's in the trust, then your spouse gets immediate access to any funds that you have. So their life will go on without you, uh, at least their financial life uh, and other things that, because they don't have to go to court to get approval to uh, take over responsibility. It means collect rents from your properties and uh, or manage the business that you are uh, a full owner or part owner of because all of those instructions are included in the revocable trust. Now, when I say a revocable trust, the trust today, may you set this up and this may be just great for everything you need, but things may change down the road. You may decide that there are some properties you want to sell, so they would come out of the trust. For example, uh, you might find out that you uh, don't want to be um, married any longer. That's something that happens, so a divorce would change the nature of the trust. And any other things that change over time, plus things that could be added to the trust as you purchase properties or Uh, for example, have more children or grandchildren that you want to include in the trust itself. So that's the basic reason for having a trust is to avoid probate court and all of the expenses to make sure life can go on as normal as possible if something happens to you. Also, uh, a trust is a good tool 
to use when people may want to get something from you that they are not entitled to, but they will work on it, maybe possibly sue you. If you don't own it and it's in the trust, then there's nothing they can do about that. They can't get that from you. And uh, I'm not giving you legal advice here on this. You should seek legal advice if you decide that you want to use it to protect yourself from creditors or some other thing like that. I can't discuss that really here because I'm not your attorney, but nevertheless, that is one reason that trusts are created. The other thing that you need to have done is to create a will, and a will is basically your wishes for what happens if something happens to you. And that could mean that you not only are passed away, but maybe you are incapacitated um, at some point, and finally you do pass away. But that's the point of a will. The will says, for example, that I give everything that I have to my wife, and if something happens to her at the same time happens to me, then I give everything uh, 50-50 to my two children or 25% each to other children or two grandchildren. And then you can just break that down all the way down uh, so that you have essentially predisposed of all of your assets at the time that you pass away so that everybody knows what your desires are. Now, you can write a will, handwrite it with a witness, and that's called a holographic will, and that is legal. I don't recommend it. I think what you should do is, if you want to handwrite the will, as long as it's uh, readable, is go to a notary public and have that person be your witness and sign it, and be sure that you distribute copies to anyone that's involved in your life. Uh, That's uh, something an attorney probably would recommend or get a a formal will already drafted that has all of the different things in it that someone could challenge down the road. The last thing you want is for the people that you wish to have these items, for example, uh, an heirloom watch, and then have people argue about it when you can make that go away by having a very detailed will Uh, It doesn't have to be 40 pages, but it can just list everything. Who's going to be the executor of my state? Um, What about taxes that have to be paid? All lots of things like that can all be incorporated in a will, make it pretty simple, and that everybody knows what you want to do. So there's no arguing about it. Uh, You can make sure that the people that you want to have something get it, and those that you don't, you can even specify that as well. So talk to an attorney about the details in a will, but a will is the second uh, part of this whole package that you need to have done. Now, many attorneys specialize in creating these uh, complete portfolios, and they'll do all of these actions for you, so if you forget to ask for something, they will do that too, Uh, including they'll take actions such as transferring assets into the trust for you so that you don't have to do that. Uh, Some of those things may take uh, the creation of quick claim deeds for properties, uh, going to your bank, writing letters, explaining to your bank that you want to change the ownership from your name to the trust name. So there's a little bit of work involved if you have a lot of assets. If you don't, it'll be a little bit easier, but in any case, uh, an attorney can help you with this. Uh, You should also create the durable power of attorney for management of property and personal affairs. 
the power of attorney is pretty important. This allows uh, someone you designate to take over if you are incapacitated. And it may not be a permanent um, situation. It may just be a temporary situation where you can't run your business, for example. And the power of attorney allows the individual or individuals that you pass this along to to be able to sign for you and take actions in your name. So the durable uh, power of attorney is also a pretty important uh, thing because a lot of times people are left uh, in a position where they can't do anything for themselves and the bills have to be paid, uh, vendors have to be taken care of, decisions have to be made, and the, the power of attorney can do that. And that's on an individual basis. Now the trust, you can put several people in. But the will and the power of attorney, those are individual things that both the husband and the wife will have to do if, they, if they're interested in uh, either one of those. The other thing that uh, is important in this whole planning process is the advanced health care directive. And uh, most of these things I'm talking about, these elements, are governed by some type of state law. Uh, things you can and cannot do. That's why it's good to uh, seek out an attorney that knows these things. They generally have boilerplate that they use. Hey, let's, let's face it, they don't write these things from scratch for everybody, but these work for almost everybody, and then they'll go in and make adjustments for you to make sure that by the time you've signed it or they've signed it, that document fits everything that you need. And the health, advanced health care directive is one of those things there is usually a probate code that's attached to that, and the advanced health care directive is pretty important these days. Medical science can keep us alive, but is that what we want? Some people will say, I don't want that. If I have to be a vegetable, I want to, uh, someone to pull the plug. Now, I'm making it uh, blunt here. Uh, essentially, that's what the advanced health care directive is, is you're giving responsibility to someone else to make health decisions for you when you cannot make those decisions for yourself. Uh, and if you're in a vegetative state, for example, and that's not what you wanted, that person can, again, go to the hospital and say, uh, stop providing care, uh, and I have this document that's been done, and it's been signed and notarized, and I'm the one authorized to do that. And that way, those actions can take place. Otherwise, you may find out that your estate is drained dry of money if there's no way that anyone in your family can actually get the hospital to stop providing that care because you failed to do the advanced health care directive. Obviously, you can go to court. All of those things are expensive. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the theme in this entire discussion is to avoid court, is to avoid legal expenses beyond the creation of the document to make life simple and easy for all of those individuals in your life and around you that you want to protect, including yourself, of course. Another document is authorization and waiver for the inspection and disclosure of information relating to my physical or mental health. A lot of states have laws, including the federal government, about how hospitals and doctors can give medical information out. And often they will have a form that you fill out there at the doctor's office saying that you can give information to this person or that person, but that's not guaranteed. So if you have this authorization and waiver already in place that covers 
uh, your ability uh, to make sure that while you're coherent and alive and, and you know, um, can make decisions, telling any doctors or hospitals that, you, for example, your wife has the right to any information about you, any uh, medical information, and that they are to give it to her. And that's what this document will do. And that's a pretty smart thing to do, especially if you're sick, you're in the hospital, and they're asking your wife uh, to make some decisions for you. In this case, uh, you have permission to do so. Uh, then final disposition and authorization and instructions. Um, many people will go out and arrange for their uh, funeral. They will arrange to uh, where they're going to be buried. For example, if you are a veteran, you are entitled to a spot at a veteran's cemetery at no charge. Um, also, there is a small amount, I think, that the Social Security Administration will provide for uh, funeral expenses, small things like that. But someone needs to make a decision on what happens with you after you're gone. Uh, do you want to be buried in the ground in a casket, or do you want to go to a columbarium, put your ashes in there? And this gives someone the responsibility to take care of these things for you, uh, not necessarily after you've passed, but in preparation if you are unable to do it yourself. Uh, so that's an important document as well. That takes pressure off the family on what to do because you have already told them what you want. Same thing with all the other documents. You are telling people what you want, telling people how to do it. So there, there is no stress or shouldn't be. There should be very little stress in the entire process if something happens to you, both either dying or, or you're incapacitated for a while, then people know how to take care of everything that you have, everything that you own, and also your uh, children or your grandchildren, anyone that you're responsible for. Uh, this provides care for those people as well so that you don't have a bureaucrat working for a government someplace who's making these decisions for you or a judge that doesn't know you or your family at all. You want to make sure that all of your decisions regarding your family and your possessions are your decisions or they are made by someone that you are approving uh, that can make those decisions and all of these documents that I mentioned to you are part of the estate planning portfolio. Now, a lot of attorneys will do this as a package price. It's not necessarily on an hourly basis. They'll do it for a fixed price for all these things. And then they'll charge you a little extra for each one of the deeds that they have to transfer over. If there's any ancillary work involved as well, uh, then there'll be some extra charges there. But for the vast majority of people, it's very basic, very easy to get this done. And I think that uh, it's important that everyone have at least the minimum items in here, which would be the trust and the will. But as long as you're gonna be doing those things, you might as well do all of the other things. Try to make it easy on your relatives, on those people that are going to live after you. Before I close here, I want to explain another thing that has uh, caused a lot of grief for people, and that is leaving your financial affairs and even your garage in a mess. When you're getting older, you need to start thinking about what happens if you aren't around. 
if you have bank accounts all over the place that your spouse or your children don't know about, if you have money stashed in this place or that place that they don't know about, uh, if you have a garage full of stuff that nobody needs, nobody wants, that they're going to have to deal with, deal with all of that when you can, when you are able to do that. That is, start thinking of other people as you get older and what you're going to leave for them. You don't want to leave them with a lot of grief. I have seen this in, in the family, in my family and in other families of friends, where someone passes away and uh, there was no will. Uh, they don't know anything about the, the pension funds that are coming in where the money is stashed, uh, and then they end up having to clean out the house and clean out the garage. All of this adds stress because these people are usually working full-time jobs. They have life to lead, and now they have to clean up after you. So I suggest that your first step is to do the planning, as I mentioned earlier, with the uh, you know the estate planning, and then clean up your life financially, or do them both at the same time, so that um, all of your financial uh, things are all put together, so everybody knows where to find everything. And then again, you know, clean up your house, clean up your garage, get, get rid of that storage place that's out there, make things easy for everybody. How about the titles to your vehicles, for example? Uh, if you have a boat in storage somewhere, does, do people know about that? Uh, do people know about things that are not really in front of them? Uh, something you may own, like a trailer someplace, is parked in another storage place. All of those things, clean them all up and get your family ready for that inevitable. Uh, and you'll feel good about this when you do it all, that you have taken that potential burden off the family. And then, of course, discuss it with them. Let them know about these documents. Let them read them and understand them so there's no discussion or argument. Now, it's also a good thing to run them all through the family because if you need to make some changes to something uh, from recommendation of a son or a daughter, for example, then you can do all of that when you're capable of doing it. Well, thank you for coming to RetireCoast.com. I hope you visit our website and read some of our many blog articles on topics that are similar to this about retirement, about lifestyle at RetireCoast.com. Thank you for coming and come back to our podcast again.